starting recording. Okay. Hello and welcome to Shakespeare on Screen, a podcast where I I meet up with friends and we just chat about Shakespeare movies. Um, this week we're going to actually cover an actual adaptation of Shakespeare, a Shakespeare play, not just a thematic adaptation like we did last week. And joining me is my good friend Bailey. Hi Bailey. Hi James. Good, good to be here. Um, so Bailey wanted to talk about Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing, a, a movie I'm just going to say right off the bat, I love. Thank you yeah. for using this movie. I was it just has... watching it a little bit before we started recording, and it was just like still so much fun. This this movie has everything. <laughs> so um, just kind of like free flow conversation. Um, first off, like uh, what's your kind of relationship with Shakespeare? Oh, gosh. Uh, my relationship with Shakespeare. Well, I first sort of got into being an Englishy kind of literature bookish person because I found such humanity in stories. Mm-hmm. And I really got to learn about, you know, people and how we behave and how we think based off of stories. And I'm just fascinated that Shakespeare like not only does this to such like sort of sort of deep and um, sort of profound ways, but he does it with such beauty and art. Absolutely. And so, you know, like once you, once you get Shakespeare, it's really like something that can't really be described in words. I don't know. Maybe he could, maybe the bard could do it, but certainly not <laughs> I. Uh, yes. And I know what you mean by, uh, just like if you get it at the right age it's that age-old saying of, or not just saying but like you're at a certain age a certain type of thing can really get you punk rock or a, a certain author mm-hmm. um, it's definitely that feeling of like yes this is what i've been feeling i'm i'm not alone someone put it into words yes absolutely i mean that's one of the reasons why hamlet was my was and still is my favorite play, Shakespeare play. It was just like when I first read it, I was about 18. So just and the moodiness and everything about it, all the questions that I was that I struggled with. And mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie that I still don't deal with the things that Hamlet talks about because right. I do. But yeah, but that's such fun stuff. And so, but completely in the opposite of the headiness, moodiness that is ha- Hamlet, which was. In Brana's future, we're talking about much ado about nothing. So right, a little, little lighter. Yeah, a little lighter. So actually, okay, Bailey, like this is something like I, I love to like kind of like, and I wrote a review that mm-hmm. people can read online uh, on my blog about for this movie is like Kenneth Branagh, like this was he he got immediately right like his first Shakespeare movie he does is is Henry V. And immediately everyone, of course, compares him to, is he the next Laurence Olivier? And thankfully he lived up to that hype. Thank goodness. Well, I think like, he surpassed it, honestly. Ooh. Ron is bay. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting words, but. <laughs> well, to be fair, I'm going to be 100% honest. I haven't seen much of Olivier's work. So all okay. I know is that I love Bronagh and I will fight. I will fight people. Okay. Well, yeah, I adore Brana's work, and um, I'm I'm one of the few defenders of his Frankenstein movie. Oh um, my gosh, yeah, okay, no, okay, yeah. No, we could talk about it, yeah. No, no, I mean like that's a it's a fun movie, and like, uh, and I love the the twist that they do in that movie of that 
of that he tries to make Elizabeth into the bride. Mm-hmm. And then just like that, just like, oh, wow. Oh, Victor, you have completely lost it. Seriously, though, it really good. I mean, that's something that I think our, our dear friend Kenny does really well is he takes the essence of the literature that he's, you know, bringing to life and he goes he goes beyond it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, yeah. And sometimes it, he can be somewhat fairly criticized for being overstuffed. But when it works, damn, does it work. And so what, what I was saying, though, Bailey, in terms of like of like right after he does Henry V, mm-hmm. Oscar winning movie big or I don't know if it won how many Oscars it did, but it definitely got nominated for a bunch of stuff. Big, big. What's he want to do next? What's your next Shakespeare movie? What's your next Shakespeare movie? Is it going to be Macbeth? Is it going to be, is it going to be Hamlet? Is it going to be, you know, like another one of the histories? Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this nice broad comedy, Much Ado About Nothing. Like, what? You're not. I, even I mean, make, let's be fair. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, like I mean, that's so gutsy, and I love it. Of just like, no, I'm going to do the total opposite. I'm going to do this nice lark. Light, light comedy. Well, I mean, if you, if you think about it, it's kind of in the style of Shakespeare himself, where Shakespeare, oh, yeah. yeah, where Shakespeare will, you know, like he, he switches the tones a lot to keep the audience interested. And so if anything, I think, you know, he's, he, he made the right move here. And I mean, yeah, I mean, you can thing, only do so many, hist- you can only do so many, so much serious material before you want to shoot yourself. Because... <laughs> yeah. Well, also like, Doing this showed the range of, of Brana, and so I kind of almost in a meta narrative of like you start the movie and Kenneth Brana is on a horse, but then he gets off the horse, so it's like oh we're not in war anymore. Like, and the play starts and it's and it's theoret- theoretically they they mention like it's after a war, so it's almost like a it's almost like this, this comedy sequel to Henry V in a way. Oh yeah, dude, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so, like, that's something like me being, like, the deep English major reading into things. Like, oh, I see what you're doing here mm-hmm. a little bit. And, and so getting into it, um, and Bailey, like, this is just fun, like, fun facts. Like, whenever you watch a British movie or, or British things, it's always a great, great question or, or of just, like, a, of, like, okay, how many Harry Potter people are there in this movie? <laughs> well, three. you know, because you know, yeah, well, you know, as you know, James, Great Britain only has about seven actors. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you look at Much Ado About Nothing, is a great point. They had to borrow some American ones to fill the cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we can talk about that in a little bit, just because <laughs> the the one flaw in this movie, otherwise pretty perfect movie. Oh boy, Keanu. I love oh my gosh, movie. yes, totally Keanu. Like Keanu, cutie. Cutie patootie, no. Yeah, well, we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, I want to say like um, so so we got, and and kind of I think, Brana being Benedict is just, mm-hmm. it's kind of a preview for what he would do for Gildery Lockhart, of that mm-hmm. Benedict is this, like this arrogant blowhard. Oh yeah. And and you're meant to laugh at him, but he's mm-hmm. not fully like the butt of the joke mm-hmm. so you can kind of sympathize with him but like mm-hmm. that's like wow g- good on you to be the butt of the joke Kenneth Branagh even though yes I know you're you're directing this movie 
and you're starring in the movie. But like to be the joke of the movie is like, wow, you're kind of willing to to be laughed at, not just laughed with, laughed at. That's great. Well, well, I'm gonna come to the defense of of uh, Benedict and and Brana real quick, um, because I actually think that like yes, he's kind of the butt of a joke a lot of the time, but I feel like it's also um, sort of portraying a sort of a real sort of person because you know if, oh, you, yeah. if you really examine benedict he's he's got layers man you know because he's he acts his way as a sort of self-defense mechanism and you know it's it's kind of true to life you know what i mean like kind of i mean it's definitely part of shakespeare's play and i think it's also because shakespeare is a great um as harold bloom once said he created humanity i don't <laughs> But the yeah, sometimes Bloom gets a little bit so flowery in his praise of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, but but like, I mean, I love <laughs> Branagh's Benedict, and mm-hmm. we all know the the Benedict. Um, I, I won't, won't lie if I got if I could see a little bit of me and him of just like that kind of like, oh no way, no way am I ever getting married, no way, nope, nope, and just I, yeah, like, oh. Damn it, another one of my friends is getting married. Can't Seriously. I have any single friends? Ugh, I can't stand it. Will I never live to see a Bachelor of 30 again? <laughs> yeah. And I, I I, love that. And like, and he's, he's really funny. Mm-hmm. And just, oh my gosh, that pratfall. That pratfall he does <laughs> in the middle mm-hmm. of the movie when he first hears like, ooh, Beatrice likes him. I was like, what? Exactly. But at the same time, I mean, like, and what you're saying about range, like, at the same yeah. same time, like, and Benedict, Bronach is able to bring, like, Benedict can be serious, though, of, like, when he threatens Claudio. That's like, ooh. Damn. Chills. Yeah. yeah. And so, and should, should we talk about Beatrice? And, and I'm down, I'm totally down for talking about Beatrice. And so Bailey, mm-hmm. I, I just want your pr- perspective. Like this is the the thing I wrote in my review is like of much ado about nothing is I think especially because of this movie the, the this movie definitely helped. But it's become basically Shakespeare's number two comedy I would say to the general consciousness. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like influence. Just about every rom-com owes to Beatrice and Benedict. I'm just like we just, of like it's it's kind of the first time we've ever the world was ever introduced to the idea of of a, a man and a woman who hated each other at the beginning but end up loving each other at the end of the story. Right. And just like there's it's done it's completely a cliche now. Exactly. No. When I when I teach this, um, I actually like introduce it to my students it's a tragic comedy because it has tragedy it has comedy it has the potential to go either way and just to sort of shorten that down for them put in context of so that they know like i totally agree with that i introduce it as the first rom-com for this exact reason um and it's kind of like an interesting trend that he began apparently people really liked it so (laughs) Mm -hmm. um oh go on no, no you go on Okay, um, like, and this one and 
is 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 often also like the this like Kenneth Brown's movie. It's often mm-hmm. Beatrice and Benedict are played by married couples in real life. Right. It's happened quite a bunch of times. Unfortunately, the other one where I don't want to read into it too much because that play is very problematic. Also, Taming of the Shrew also mm-hmm. gets ma- married couples to play Petruchio and Katerina, which I don't. Mm-hmm. That's really what does that say about their marriage? <laughs> right. <sighs> Problem play. Very problematic mm-hmm. play. Um, so, so yeah, but I mean, at the time, Kenneth Branagh was married to Emma Thompson. Right. And boy, oh boy, did their chemistry show on screen. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, they're adorable. They're adorable as a couple. Mm-hmm. Now, Emma Thompson, uh, I think she's wonderful in this movie. She's fantastic. I think like what what I like about her in this movie is like she's her Beatrice is a bit is definitely the the smarter one of the of the two. Poten- I yeah, I guess we could say that. Yeah. I think she's clever, and I think mm-hmm. she's also a bit more more just world weary. Mhm. Well, I mean, yeah, she definitely she's definitely you know lived through some life, of course, um, and especially with you know, where Benedict's involved, if you look at the relationship, uh, especially how Brenna and Thompson play it, um, she is definitely some harboring, you know, probably most of the ill will between the two of them. <laughs> um, and we see, and we see this at several instances where like, you know, uh, Benedict is like, I don't understand why you don't like me because like, I'm loved by all women except for you. And yeah. I guess that's just your your poor judgment, and it's like that also speaks back to his shallowness because as we learn later in the play, I think it's like a second act where we learn that they were actually kind of kind of a thing at some point. Yeah. And then he ended up like I don't know it's, they don't get into specifics, but he ended up like you know abusing her somehow, like breaking her heart if you will. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where it's like with this relationship you kind of see how she's been hurt and how she's still, she's looks like she's still hurting. And like, you can still see his total obliviousness to it. Yeah. And it's just like, I think that, that, that is played off really well by these two amazing actors um, with this sort of underlying feelings that were once positive, but I've sort of soured since then. And the individual reactions by these characters to mm-hmm. this sort of change in their relationship. Absolutely. And it's just like, yeah, it's just one of the like amazing things I find in this play. Oh, absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. um, other, I'm not gonna get too into like comparing, but like the other adaptations, like, like the Joss Whedon one, like they do show some like scenes where it's like, yep, they were a couple once and not anymore. Mm-hmm. Where they right. like show like Benedict. Yeah, the Whedon one like opens up with like Benedict running away. Or like just leaving Beatrice, mm-hmm. and so it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, ex couple. We're starting with this information now instead of having to find out later. Yeah, but I mean, you can kind of get that, and because that that does like make a lot of sense of like why mm-hmm. like Beatrice is so kind of contemptuous. Is like, yeah, you you kind of yeah it makes sense of like when it's like, oh, ex couple, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, that makes well, sense. Well, you know, it totally makes sense. Like, 
Like, that's one of the questions that I ask my students, like, first off. Like, we read, like, the um, verbal battle that they have, and I'm like, okay, so let's stop. I want you to consider, like, we read the first scene. I don't tell them anything else with the rest of the play. We read the first scene together. We talk about it. We watch it, that whole thing. And I ask them, okay, so what the heck is going on here? And then imme- they get it immediately because, like, it's kind of obvious where it's like, well, I'm pretty sure that they used to date. <laughs> like, yeah. really? What makes you say that? Well, I mean, why else would she be reacting like this? Why else would he be kind of, like, you know, playing it off like he's so cool? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of, like, yeah, the, the line of you always end with a Jade's trick. I like, know you of old. Yeah. Mhm. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah, especially yeah, especially when I explain what a jade's trick is, they're like, yeah, definitely confirmed. Yeah. Like that's my proof. <laughs> so. <laughs> yes. So. And this is uh. And they are so funny and like that whole. I mean, yes, in real life you should never trick people into falling in love, but it's. They're definitely not. <laughs> it's, it's very very funny in this. Mhm. Well, and I think that's part. That's I think that's part of the humor with Shakespeare. Is like you're sitting there watching this. Like this would never happen in real life. And let's be real here. I think that's what we love about you know all rom coms is that none of it would ever happen in real life. And it's just like a sort of entertaining way to spend an hour and a half just yeah. to sort of imagine. But what if? <laughs> I think the only reason why I, I pause and, and like have to like say that is because. When you're watching like something like an action movie or a you know superheroes battling, it's like okay, this is obviously this isn't real, like none of this is real. Whereas like rom coms and stuff like that, like that does like theoretically take place in the real world, but then you have to recognize no, this is a fantasy too. This is a fantasy too. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, life is not a. It'd be nice if it was a rom com. <laughs> Right, and everything just worked out perfectly. And yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, there was a there was a movie I was watching recently. I forget the title of what it was. It was with uh, Rebel Wilson, though. Oh yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that? It's the one where I, she's I like she ends it. up in a rom com, and it's yeah. like it's hilarious. I love it. I love Rebel. She's she's amazing. <laughs> she was amazing in that movie. Anyway, um, but yeah, it's that sort of um idea where part of Shakespeare's hilarity is the fact that like. Oh, like all he has to do is overhear that um, Beatrice loves him, and all of a sudden he's like, "Yes, I love her. I'm gonna marry her." Well, I mean, that's also <laughs> the, the the smartness on on their part, and Shakespeare t- touching on this whole idea of like, "Wow, you of of where you know love and hate are." It's it's an age old saying that people have said is like the opposite of love is not hate but indifference. Mm-hmm. And just like it, just just tip it one side over and just hate can pretty quickly switch over to love no uh, it's a fine that, line right yeah it's a very fine line and just and so uh, i think it makes a lot of sense of just like that the minute like the the onus is not on the the other one of like oh oh she digs me you know what yeah actually she's pretty cool you know what yeah mm-hmm. and beatrice also like huh he likes me, but he thinks I'm too hard. Oh, fine, 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 yeah. And they immediately yeah. like kind of like tone down themselves mm-hmm. and just instantly are like totally into the other one once they know the other one is into them. So, what does that say about them? <laughs> that they, they, 
that their shields are a bit too strong and they're not willing to let let themselves be open yeah something like that um potentially uh or maybe it's like one of those things where it's like uh they both kind of dug each other for a while but they were like oh no they hate me can't can't do it and then they happen to hear like oh wait no they do like me <gasps> now i can express the feelings i've been feeling all this time <laughs> Yeah. Or maybe, well, or maybe, I don't know, but maybe in Benedict's case, it's just like, oh my gosh, she actually likes me. Okay. Well, all my friends are getting married. I don't want to be a bachelor. Maybe it's about time I settled down. <laughs> Find a girl who actually want, who actually likes me. <laughs> well, I don't know because the 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 other one is like so immediately passionate about mm-hmm. it. It's like just like they remember all the good times and just kind of learn to live with the bad. Mhm. I mean that that is one of the funniest moments. Is 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 at the is early in the earlier in the movie and play when when Don Pedro is all just says like I will see you married before this is over. I know I will see you look pale with love ere I die. And and then by the end of the of the of the movie slash play it's just like Benedict's like saying you get married Don Pedro what the hell are you waiting for? Seriously get thee a wife. <laughs> um <laughs> seriously. No, that's kind of sad if you think about it. Like, oh, like yeah. Don Pedro's the one who who orchestrated all this. He seems like a great guy, and he's the he's a freaking prince, and he's the only one without a without a girl at this point. Yeah, it's a weird yeah. oversight by by Shakespeare, but yeah. And okay, let let's sing the praises of Denzel Washington. Denzel, my Denzel. gosh. I think he is coming back to Shakespeare because it's announced the Coen Brothers are adapting the Scottish play. They're adapting Macbeth. Hmm. And it's going to star Frances McDormand as Lady Macbeth and Denzel Washington as Macbeth. And I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, I could I could definitely go to there. Yeah. I would I would like that. Des, I mean, like Denzel is one of those just like sort of, you know, people where it's like, like he, he basically can't do any wrong <laughs> as far as I can remember. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen... I, I don't remember any bad Denzel Washington movies. I can't think of any. And he's just and we'll get to ragging on on Keanu Reeves in a little bit, but I'm like, looking forward he, to it. But but man, Denzel just like he's so effortlessly like like most of the pretty much all the cast except for that one glaring exception is just mm-hmm. just completely comfortable with Shakespeare and just and like his, that legendary charm that, mm-hmm. that of Denzel, that of where he even made his horrible character in Training Day charming, until you mm-hmm. finally realized, oh no, this guy's a total monster. Oh yeah, definitely. But, but just Don Pedro is just every time he's talking, I, I just want to smile, and it's like, oh man, you're a fun guy. You're a fun guy. Seriously. It made me so sad when Beatrice turned him down. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a that's a weird part in the play. I know, seriously, like, to be dude, a prince just proposed to you. And like, he's not a bad guy. What's wrong with him? He's nice. He's rich. He's handsome. He's, he's got a kind of got like a kind of got like a full beard. Half he's got the goatee thing going on, so it's not a shaved face, but it's not a full beard. <laughs> Oh. He meets he meets all your specifications. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh and um, you know, without dwelling on it, just like 
that was really the the first time that and I love Brana for doing this of just like saying like of being colorblind to casting of just whoever's good for the role is good for the role. I don't care. And so, yes, Keanu Reeves is is half-brothers to Denzel Washington. Can't you tell the uncanny resemblance? Seriously, though. Um, <laughs> I, I can't talk. Sorry. Sorry for that. Ugh, roommates. Um, so. Anyway. Um, yeah, so... I know it's, it's honestly it was, a, it was a fantastic choice yeah oh yeah fantastic he does just a he does a great job and so he's good and um yeah i mean it's a, it's a shame we haven't had more of him as shakespeare mm-hmm. and i mean looking forward to macbeth if it happens you know? yes yeah that'll be fun um yeah and and so this is just a just keep on repeating myself. It's a fun movie. Fun movie. What, what more can I say? Uh, okay, let, let's get into it then. Like, let's talk about that one little elephant in the room. Here it comes. Okay, like, uh, and when you look at like the at the time, it was just that once, like Keanu Reeves, he, like he was trying to show he was more than than Theodore Logan, which, yeah, you can be more than Theodore Logan. And so that's a bit of a shame because he, he, he can be funny. Mm-hmm. Like Keanu Reeves can be pretty, pretty damn funny. Like the Bill and Ted mm-hmm. movies are great. His little, um, I don't know if you've seen it, Bailey, but uh, uh, the, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the movie. Uh, it's this rom-com that um, starred Ali Wong and uh, Randall Park. No, I know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it, but I know, and he's like Ali Wong's new love interest or something like that. Yeah, he and shows he's just up like he's, he shows up he's as a great guy. Like he shows up as Keanu Reeves in the movie. Right. He's so damn funny. Mhm. He's just so damn funny. I'm just like this sanctimonious, like like uh, utterly pretentious actor. Right. It's just like so funny. So he so. Keanu can be funny. I think it's just like the the problem sometimes that actors find, and my mother adores Keanu Reeves, so she might not uh, like me saying this, but just like mm-hmm. of like Keanu in like this this time was like really trying to branch out, and like at the same time the other kind of legendarily bad performance in his in his filmography is like he also was trying his darndest in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Of like, oh my god, I, I almost blocked that out. Oh, it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> just like, it's like, we love you as John Wick, Neo. Mm-hmm. Neo. Try to stick to sci-fi and action movies. That's your that's your wheelhouse. Like yeah. He was trying to branch out and kind of like, but I think unlike Tom Cruise, who actually is like, you actually are good when you do like serious like a non-action movie kind of stuff wow you're a real good actor like keanu just like yeah keanu this isn't you i mean you tried it it was was fun fun effort but yeah just like it's weird and and 
don't know what yeah, that, honestly but... honestly I, I'm not even sure that we can really blame his his acting skills for it I think it just might be like honestly just the the way he talks if I'm gonna, <laughs> if I'm gonna be honest because he kind of sounds like a really serious surfer you know what I mean <laughs> it's like yeah I could see that yeah and uh you know I mean that's how he's like always parodied as um, yeah so it's just like um you know you know bless him for trying and you know i feel like it was a it was a noble effort but i'm not sure it's, it's the way he talks it's the way he paces his words and his sentences and unfortunately you know, with shakespeare you have to be very deliberate with that sort of stuff you know where you take a pause what words you lengthen and all that sort of stuff and i'm not sure he, he just had the delivery is what it was yeah well that's a good way of of reading into it, Bailey. I mean, like, this is the question of like, well, why is Russell Crowe bad in in Les Misérables? Like, why? What? What? What's? What's? What's the ingredient? What's the je ne sais quoi? That's like why it's not working. And and um, I mean, for me, I, I feel the same way, and I'm dreading like a people want to come onto my podcast to talk about Romeo plus Juliet, and so I'm okay. dreading that. I'm just like, oh, like none of these people could read Shakespeare except for the adults. I'm just like, yeah. poor, like DiCaprio is my favorite actor, but just honestly, I, I, I would talk about, um, oh God, what's that zombie movie that's based off Romeo and Juliet? I would do that one before I would do <laughs> Romeo plus Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one that is, but that. Oh my gosh, it's a zo- oh my gosh, I, I, I wish I knew what it was called now. Um. I don't know. It's, it's like it's a zombie movie, and it's Romeo and Juliet. Like Romeo is a zombie, and Juliet. Oh. Your name is cold. Oh, cold bodies. Cold bodies. Warm bodies. Warm bodies. Warm bodies. Warm bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I would talk about that one before I would talk about uh, Romeo plus Juliet. It was an interesting take, and it might be a good example of um, a modern adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. You know, in terms of saying like Shakespeare is not just doesn't it doesn't belong in the um, 16th and 17th century. It can be yeah. brought into the 21st century. That's it might be a good example of that. But other than that, I'm just like eh, Leo. I don't know. Yeah. Well, okay. That that's kind of like a whole separate. Well, I mean, we could just talk about it. Well, th- this podcast is very m- welcome to tangents. Um, <laughs> last week we talked about La La Land for a good deal. <laughs> um, I, I'm always very mixed when it comes to modernizing Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Like I, I tend to not like it. I mean, that being said, I just saw a really good adaptation of of Antony and Cleopatra that National Theatre Live made free mm-hmm. for a, a while to see, and it was right. wonderful. It, it had Ray Fiennes, aka Voldemort, and um, Sophie Okendo. Or not Okendo, I think Okanedo. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I'm sorry if you're listening. Um, as Cleopatra, and they were phenomenal. And that was like a modern take on it, and mm-hmm. it actually worked. It was like, okay, yeah, they're 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 wearing like flax suits and machine guns, but you know what? It worked for this play. Good on them. Well, I think that's the trouble with taking Shakespeare out of its original time period and trying to put it into a different one because you have to make sure that you you do it right. Yeah. I mean, you have to make sure that it takes place in time that makes sense. So, for example, taking... Uh, um, I'm trying to think of it, an example. So, for example, taking uh, Romeo and Juliet, 
because we were just talking about that and trying to put it into um let's say well hey oh my god i, I can't th- i can't think i, I feel like Shakespeare you know, works it, everywhere it was great in the 20th century when they made it into new york street gangs and called it yeah i mean that's, that's the thing it works really well there and yeah. like you know you just, ha- you just have to make it sure was west even... side story it was great i love yeah that's yeah. that's great adaptation yeah, like you just have to make sure that you do you just have to make sure that you do it right you know just to make sure yeah. that like in this context it makes sense mm-hmm. um like for example i saw a modern adaptation of much ado about nothing you know because like i said i'm teaching it um and I, I was trying to explore multiple versions of it mm-hmm. and it was actually done with an all-black cast okay and um instead of like there being like some sort of war going on it took place like it took place in like uh Georgia. I think they put it in Atlanta, Georgia, in twenty in the spring of twenty twenty, and um, just by sort of like relocating it like that, they were able to include like another level of commentary. And so I feel like it's it's worth it if you can uh, use it to make some sort of commentary on what's on something other than what Shakespeare was trying to say. So kind of like with. Uh, uh, what's his face? Um, I'm playing, uh, no, uh, I'm thinking of uh, Macbeth, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That. So you modernize it like that, where you take it out of context and you put it into a new, or to put into a new context, and it it's still saying the same thing, but with an added layer, with because it took place in, what was that, 1950? It was supposed to take place. In, I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know about that one. Uh, the the Ian McKellen Richard the Third famously is like World War Two. Yeah, so it's kind of that sort that sort of vibe, um, where it's uh, you know commentary on dictators and how they are still present in our world today, and yeah. you know kind of the commentary on that. Absolutely. Yeah. And because I mean, like and, and it's a theme that like sort of keeps on like these are themes that keep on repeating. It's like, for example, Much Ado About Nothing. We still have rom-coms. <laughs> uh, like we're talking about Macbeth, like House of Cards, which was pretty popular for a while, is basically Macbeth. Yeah. Um, yeah, as long as and that's why Shakespeare is eternal. That's why he has last the ages is because he touched on things that that are even though, yes, his his plays were very contemporary. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just me reading about how Shakespeare almost died for performing Richard II was very fascinating <laughs> okay. to find out. Like it, that's a whole kind of tangent I don't want to get into in the in the podcast. Like I could tell you the story later on. Sure. Daily. But, we'll leave it. <laughs> and and so yeah, so I want to say like. The one little thing to compliment, though, the costume people and, like, the hairstylists, they got Keanu Reeves right for, like, being this kind of, like, pouty guy. Mm-hmm. Of, like, his villain of just being this kind of just pouty, jealous, vain jerk. And I don't... But, yeah, it just... He's right there with DiCaprio of like, mm, Shakespeare's not for you, man. Like, you're a great actor, mm-hmm. just Shakespeare's not for you. Yeah. You might, you might need to work on it. Yeah. Well, he worked, he, he did John Wick, so I forgive him. Yeah. Yeah. And The Matrix, <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. 
Okay. He's doing yeah. fine. I know, but I don't know what it is. Every time he comes on the screen, I cringe. <laughs> just for this movie. For this movie, Just I for hope. this movie. I'm just yeah. like, oh. Okay. Um, but to be fair, like, the rest of the cast is just more than makes up for it. Okay. All right, let's... Ooh. Ooh, a fun one to talk about right, yes. right now. Um, we have yet to talk about, like, the... the about Hero and Claudio... Uh, let's do that okay um yeah uh, the claudio actor he went on to do house yeah every time i see him i just i don't i don't i keep forgetting his name i just call him oh it's wilson (laughs) that's fine yeah so i had to i I had to make sure that i kind of like looked it up because like i can't just keep calling him wilson because i he like pops up in the weirdest places so robert sean leonard i had to eventually learn yeah, like I, I remember I remember I was listening to a he he was doing like a reading of a short story. I'm like, I know that voice. It's Wilson. <sighs> and it's like, what? Who's Wilson? I'm like, Wilson, I don't from house, like I don't know who that is. I don't yeah. watch that show, and so I had to I had to learn the actor's name. Yeah. He's uh he was also in Dead Poets Society. And, That's uh, true. Well, didn't he do didn't he do this movie after, like right after he did Dead Poets Society, I feel like? Or not right after, but Probably Sometime right, past. like soon after, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just a baby. Yeah. I found oh, that yeah. really, um, I found that really fascinating that he did Dead Poets Society, you know, where he was an actor in a Shakespeare play in that movie, and here he is, here he is yeah. doing some more Shakespeare. Yeah, graduated. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Yeah. And a uh, young, a very young Kate Beckinsale. Of, I just like, wow, she's very young in this movie i seriously well um i i read somewhere that she did this movie this was one of her first like sort of breakout movies yeah oh yeah 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 and she did it she did it on summer break during university oh wow oh yeah so she yeah so like break (laughs) she was on summer break you know from being a university major i think she was studying like french and russian or something like that she was a yeah french or russian French and Russian? French or Russian. Something like that. You did your she research. was a smarty pants. Yeah. She's, you know, like, uh, she does a good job with this character. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, Claudio and Hero are not necessarily fun characters, I'm, I'll am i say. Yeah, they're not. I got I got problems, especially with Claudio. But, oh. you know, that's just the character. That's the character. I, And I try to, one of the things I sort of make sure people understand when I talk about it is like people are like, Oh my gosh, Claudio's such a jerk. And I'm like, hold on, hold the phone. You have to understand that Claudio legitimately thinks that he's been wronged. He has no way of knowing that this is a trick. Like what's more likely that Don John is for some reason trying to break up his wedding or that she's a straight up slut. I mean, look at her. She's pretty. She's young. What's more likely that, you know, she'd be sleeping around with other guys or that, um, like, for some reason, like, someone's trying to screw with him. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how much I want to get into this, but, like, both the movie and def- and certainly the play, like, mm-hmm. can be read in a whole new dimension in the age of Me Too of just that, that it he touches on that we don't necessarily immediately believe women mm-hmm. of that the father 
immediately assumes that his daughter is guilty. I know, right? Yeah. Like he and is and they they do a great job of just like wow he he like savagely pulls at her hair and just I know and like it's like I wish you were dead seriously well like, like wow and if you and if you notice like pretty much the only the, per, the first person to come to her defense is um Beatrice another oh, woman yeah. yes her best uh, bud and her best bud and another woman you know like all the guys are just like the fuck here. Sorry, am I allowed to cross on this? You can, yeah. Yeah, you can. <laughs> okay. So, she's like, what the, what the heck, hero? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, that's gross. And then she's like, no, there's something wrong here. Yeah. Four centuries so, ahead of his time. He's still woke. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Shakespeare. Oh, seriously. Um, uh, although, he still did write Taming of the Shrew, so. <laughs> yeah. That. And also, I mean, Othello in itself was problematic. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things like, you know, we have that sort of idea that, um, you know, there's a whole Me Too thing where women aren't believed and that they are, you know, their value is still sort of based on whether or not they have, they have, like, have you had sex? How much sex are you having? What kind of sex is it? You know, the, the strange thing is it doesn't come up with Beatrice and Benedict. It only comes up with, with Hero and Claudio. I mean, yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. Just kind of the differences of attitudes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think people are like, yeah, we're pretty sure that yeah. Beatrice is, is, is a maid. I mean... But then again, you never know, because she is very bold. But then again, she's also kind of older, so... Yeah. Well, no, I mean, like, but, well, we know Benedict, because, like, in dialogue... Not just oh, by yeah. him, but by other people like, oh yeah, oh yeah, he's a player. He's a player. Oh, yeah. And yeah, exactly. So, um, like he he has that sort of rep- he has that sort of reputation where that's a that's a thing. But it's again, it's that double standard where it's like, yeah, like if you're a woman, no, you can't have sex. But if you're a guy, yeah, sure, go for it. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, of course, there. I mean, like, let's let's also remember that this is back before you know, birth control was a thing, and so if a woman ended up getting pregnant, you know, like it's kind of good to know. Like, I want to know that that baby's mine. Yeah. Well, I want to want to make sure that you're a good character so that I can trust you when you say that that baby is mine. <laughs> um, and Shakespeare, very famously, everyone kind of like interpreting history says like, oh yeah, that was a shotgun wedding. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Okay. I mean, like, was wasn't there a first child born like six months after the wedding? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, no, no doubt. No yeah. doubt of the shotgun wedding. Yeah. And and kind of infamously, if you see all this true, and I think they did their dating and research pretty well, but it's like, ooh, one of Shakespeare's daughters, like her her husband was kind of a cad. Mhm. And like he had a bastard child. It was like, oop, embarrassing. Yep. And so, <sighs> yep. Well, things don't change. Nope. Men are the worst. Technology technology changes, but people don't. 
Yeah, I know. Well, that's one thing that I like to really point out when when we read some of this when when I'm talking about some of this older stuff, especially with my students, where I'm just like, they're always, always like, why are we reading like all these old books? I'm like, first of all, uh, state standards. <laughs> Second of all, it's because people don't change. No. And we're not reading we're not reading about what it was life was like back then. We're reading about how life back then is still similar to what life is now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the things that we like about Shakespeare is that he he wrote about people. Yeah, absolutely. He wrote about yes, quite frankly, about people. Mm-hmm. And well, then this is a perfect segue though. Did he write about people though, or was this performance just insane in Dogberry? <laughs> Michael Keaton as uh, Dogberry. Dogberry. I mean, come on. That's kind of, I think Dogberry was a stroke of genius. There is a there is a um, um, literary device named after Dogberry. So the clown. Yeah, no, the no Dogberry, a Dogberryism. Oh. <laughs> there's a there's a literary device named after Dogberry. I, <laughs> or, I love Dogberry. Like what Keaton does really portray very well mm-hmm. i mean without showing sh- throwing shade i think better than what nathan fillion tried to do is of like that like dogberry thinks he's really smart and in the context of the people he hangs out with yeah like you're smarter than like the other gang of idiots you hang out with but just like he's still dim to where he's insulted but he doesn't realize he's being insulted mm-hmm. i'm just like you are tedious oh thank you thank you Lord. thank you thank you your worship <laughs> i would bestow all my tediousness on you all your tediousness on me <laughs> oh i see you're an idiot <laughs> yeah and I mean, it does kind of bite them in the plot, and that's brilliant of it. Just like because he's such an idiot, the mm-hmm. I'm forgetting his name. What is his name? But like the Don. Burgess. Yeah, Wait, Burgess. Burgess yeah. blows him off, like saying like, "Oh yeah, you guys, um, go away." No, I mean, oh wait, you talking about Leonardo? Yeah, Leonardo. Leonardo's like, oh, like yeah, like get the heck out of here. I have a wedding to get ready for. Yeah, it's like, but we captured, and something's about to happen. I know. Well, that's. That is the prime example that I, I use to teach my students dramatic irony. Oh, yeah. We're just like, we know something that's really important that this character needs to know and doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like... And we know Shakespeare loves it so much. I know. Like, how different the story would have been if Dogberry hadn't been an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Same with... Uh... Oh, all of them of just that of the the play I've recently fallen in love with, Richard the Second. Of just that Richard mm-hmm. gets told time and time again by everyone around him, uh, "Your Majesty, please don't do this. This is a really bad idea." He's like, "Shut up, I'm doing it." Like, uh, are shut you up sure? Hold here. What? Kind of like shut up. Like, like this is this is not a good idea. You shouldn't do it. I'm going to do this. Hold my beer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, very much so, Bailey. I'm just, yeah. I'm just like, so, yeah, that. 
I'm just that wonderful dramatic irony. And mm-hmm. so Michael Keaton, I mean, I'm, I'm glad Keaton's recently had a bit of a resurgence because he was he was basically gone from like not gone gone but just like gone from like big movies. Mm-hmm. Of like the the only thing I had seen him for a while was like the the other guys. And then he comes back with uh, the founder and Spotlight, and it's like, good, good, good. Thank goodness you're back. I missed mm-hmm. you, Michael Keaton. And like this, he's, I think he's got, he's kind of, I keep on comparing other roles they do, of that he's, he's kind of doing Beetlejuice in a way. I mean, yeah, kind of. What's that sort of, sort of animation and yeah, ridiculousness. Oh, gosh, when they get. When they debut, just like, and great direction and great everything of just like that, they kind of like yatta de yatta de yatta de yatta de. <laughs> yeah, no, well, seriously, like you know, before like before they even talk, you know, these guys are not all there because here we have uh, Michael Keaton and um, his good pal who plays Burgess, like riding in on horses that are not there, like Monty Python style. Yeah. You know, like with their um, own like trumpeting their own entry music and mining yeah. I mean, it's very horses. Just... Of just like the, the way that like they're like i think they actually even do it they do the, the gallop skip at one yeah point. they do they do like the little trot and like yeah. holding horse and holding the reins yeah yeah oh and um yeah dogberry's friend Burgess, played by mm-hmm. ben elton fun fact mm-hmm. he's um ben elton the co-writer of black adder and uh, the the shakespeare sitcom uh, upstart crew which is very funny and worth checking out okay and he also wrote the the all this true the kenneth Branagh movie like the sh- serious shakespeare drama so he did mm-hmm. both the shakespeare sitcom and a serious shakespeare drama good on you ben elton good on you <laughs> and yeah like oh gosh that that performance and them and like but but it is a statement for like how bad the villains are of that Literally, like, these idiots are able to, to bust them? Yeah, well, let's be fair here. I think I think if we really examine this, um, I think really the only true idiots are the guys in charge. I mean, so like that, it's it's art imitating life. <laughs> um, yeah. And if you think of, like, because if you look at it, it's the, the kind of lackeys that seem to be a little more there. Like, they're maybe not, you know... Einstein's or anything, but I think they're at least like enough, like they're enough to be like, okay, here we have some villainy going on. We're gonna hide until we figure yeah. out what's going on. We need proof. Yeah, and then once they have the proof, that then they come out. Yeah, one of Don John's. They... Uh, it's it's Baraccio who basically comes up with a plan, not Don John. Uh, yeah, that's the thing too. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> depending, well, depending on how you look at it, because I think um, the way that uh Brennan presents it with in this production is that Baraccio is like hey I I want to let you know at any point I can get Margaret to come to Hero's window and then Don John's like what do you want me to do with this information he's like that's up to you and so I don't know I think I think in the original play yeah that it's Baraccio that comes up with the plan but I'm not sure I don't remember in this production who comes up with it well well in in the movie and it's not in the play they actually show the deception moment yeah they do like, it happens on screen which it doesn't uh, uh, in the play and i think that's a wonderful touch 
to mm-hmm. actually show Hero, because it, it does make Claudio's reaction a little bit more understandable, I will say. Mm-hmm. This is like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, you're, you're duped. And like, oh, wow. We oh, can see how you made that mistake. Yeah. Under those circumstances, yes. Mm-hmm. Although I do wonder, like, from the, from, like, that, that poor woman's perspective, like, why are you calling me? What? Yeah, Margaret, where it's like, um, excuse me, why are you calling me by my mistress's name? I think this needs to stop right now. Yeah. Like, uh, hey, I don't know what kinky stuff you're into, but no, I, I, no. Yeah, well, let's remember here that, you know, Margaret isn't exactly, you know, she's 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 a bit of a she's she's yeah. very light healed as shakespeare would call it <laughs> <laughs> yes well still i think like she gets she gets a pass though i think in the play and like she's like yeah you were you were deceived you were used yeah well you know what? let's let's be fair though like this is another thing where um there's that sort of idea of a woman's value. And the thing is that Margaret as a servant doesn't have any value. Oh, so yes. it's like, who, ca- who cares if you're screwing around? That's what you're here for. That's kind of like, that's kind of the archetype is the maids are supposed to be really slutty and sleep with people. And that's fine. Cause you know what? You're not going to marry very high above your station anyway. King Henry, why are you so interested in, in your, your wife's handmaidens? Well, I just want to make sure my wife's being taken care of. Yeah, that's all. That's all. Don't worry. Yeah. Why is one of your wife's handmaidens known as the as the the English whore in France? No, no reason. No reason. Yeah. Don't don't look into it. I've, don't look into I have absolutely no idea. Um, by the way, when you leave, can you call Jane in? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, boy. And so, yeah, and you call it tragic comedy. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, te- it's technically classified as a tragic comedy because it could have gone either way. I mean, thankfully it doesn't go. Yeah, thankfully it doesn't, you know, way. because like if you think about it, it could have ended like it could have ended with Hero being actually dead. Could have <laughs> ended with um, Benedict uh, challenging his friend to a duel, and who knows. Yeah. Like maybe th- maybe they kill each other and then maybe more people die and then I don't know maybe Leonardo like dies of grief. Ah. <laughs> wow, it would have gone King Lear. Ugh. Yeah, it would have. Uh, well, again, how how I like to simplify things when I'm explaining like tragedies and comedies, where it's um in a comedy all the lovers get married, mm-hmm. in a tragedy all the lovers die. So, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to ask you, Bailey. So so what what grade level do you teach? High school. All right. So high schoolers. So what's it like teaching high schoolers Shakespeare just in general? Um, It's actually super fun because I I don't teach them uh, with the script as my primary text. The script is really a more of a reference, but I'd like to pick a production and use that as the primary text because I, because as you know, Shakespeare's not meant to be read. It's meant yes. to be watched and experienced. This is a great debate, but I'm I'm 100% with you. It, it, more and more, 
Uh, that's how I want to be introduced introduce myself to Shakespeare plays I haven't experienced before, is watching a production rather than reading it. Right. Yeah. No. So that's definitely kind of the way to go. So like, since it's Shakespeare and it can be kind of tricky material. Like I literally, before we watch a scene or anything like that, I tell them what's going to happen. Like this is the part where, um, like this is the wedding and this is where Claudio like calls out Hero for being a whore. And I want you to watch, you know, the reactions and what happens afterwards. Um, that sort of thing. So that I give them some information, I give them context to get them started, and then I ask them to. Uh, sort of figure out the rest of the details on their own. And it's a good exercise for them because half of understanding Shakespeare is knowing what the heck is going on and figuring it out from there. So like, if you don't know what's going on, it's really hard to pick up, you know, those sorts of details. So um, what's really nice is them sort of getting to that point where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm understanding Shakespeare. And it's like I'm making a another I'm making a new generation of people who not only like appreciate some like old white guys' words, but some 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 white guys' words, but also sort of understanding the role, the importance of not just Shakespeare but literature in general, and how it's significant to humanity, how how we both change and don't change. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. And I think that might be a perfect note to go out on of just this is a wonderful, wonderful movie by the great Kenneth, Sir, Sir Kenneth Branagh. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Sir Kenneth, Sir Kenny, Sir Kenny. <laughs> and I mean, the there's a great video out there that that um, uh, Tom Hiddleston, a.k.a. Loki, uh, said that this movie was one of the was the first thing that really got him to change his mind about Shakespeare and really say, hmm, maybe this Shakespeare actually is good. Now one of the great Shakespearean actors. Yeah. So thank you, Kenneth Branagh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That thank knighthood you, but... is well deserved. Yes. Thy knighthood is very well deserved. I just yeah. wish we 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 got more. We we have five okay. Kind of six Kenneth Branagh Sh- Shakespeare movies. But but I want more. I want more. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for coming on, Bailey. It's been awesome to have you on. It was, it was awesome to be able to talk about this with you. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the next one um, of it next week will will I'll be talking about that dreaded movie, <laughs> Romeo plus Juliet. I'll I'll endure it and just listen to people talk about it. And it, it might be a bit of a of a hate podcast, but come on, love and hate go hand in well, hand. Let's, let's let's be fair. I encourage you, James, to go in with an open mind and listen to the pros, have your cons, but allow yourself to be swayed if that's what if that's what needs to happen. Okay, thank you, Bailey. So thanks for anyone anyone and everyone tuning in. See you next week. Bye bye.